0: This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. When there had been much discussion, Peter rose up and said to them, Brothers, you know that a good while ago, God made a choice among you, that by my mouth, the nations should hear the word of the good news and believe. God, who knows the heart, testified about them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just like he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you tempt God that you should put a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they are. Here in Acts 15, verse 7, Peter's about to declare something incredibly significant. But his conclusion and assertion before the council wasn't something he just pulled out of thin air. God had prepared him in carefully orchestrated incidents that I believe helped lead Peter to be able to make the confident assertion he'll make here in Acts 15, starting here in verse seven. First, he had witnessed firsthand of the Gentiles receiving the spirit by faith as they heard the gospel preached. Second, I believe it's also very likely that Peter and Paul had brushed shoulders once or twice about the matter of the Gentiles and the law I believe they very well may have spoken privately about the issue and were already on the same page. But now, Peter would be making a public and authoritative declaration before the church in Jerusalem about the matter. Let's dive deeper. Some scholars believe Paul's visit to Jerusalem in Galatians 2, verses 1-10, through 10, corresponds with Acts chapter 11, verse 30 and not the Jerusalem council here in Acts chapter 15. Though this isn't 100% clear, I do think the details of Paul's visit to Jerusalem in Galatians 2 seem to align more closely with Acts chapter 11 verse 30, where Paul and Barnabas were sent by the church in Antioch to Jerusalem by revelation, via Agabus' prophecy about a famine in Jerusalem, to send relief to the saints. But regardless... In Galatians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10, Paul met privately with some of the elders and apostles in Jerusalem who gave both him and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Sometime after this, when Paul and Barnabas were back in Antioch, according to Galatians 2 verses 11 through 14, Peter came to Antioch. Peter was like hanging with the Gentiles, eating all the good stuff probably smelling like bacon. He was in fellowship with the Gentile church there, much in alignment with what he had learned from his vision in Acts 10, that God didn't make any distinction between Jew and Gentile. He was free to eat in fellowship with the Gentiles, and he knew that. But when certain men from James, known as Judaizers, came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, Peter withdrew his fellowship with the Gentiles and separated himself from them, fearing those of the circumcision. You see, he feared men more than God in that instance. He didn't stand for a principle he knew was true so that he wouldn't take the flack from these Jerusalem Christians who insisted on strict adherence to the customs of the law. Paul recounts in Galatians 2, But when Peter came to Antioch, I resisted him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before some people came from James, he ate with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing those who are of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they didn't walk upright, according to the truth of the good news, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live as the Gentiles do, and not as the Jews do, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews do? How uncomfortable that confrontation must have been. Peter was acting the fool, to the point of even leading Barnabas, Paul's missionary companion, astray with such hypocrisy. Paul called Peter out in front of them all, All this to say, I think these events likely occurred prior to the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. What we do know for sure is that Paul taught the gospel of grace and wasn't forcing the Gentile converts to live like the Jews. By Acts chapter 15, we also know that Peter should have been on board. First, he saw Cornelius' Gentile household be converted to Christ and receive the holy spirit without circumcision and adherence to the law in acts 10 where those gentiles received the spirit by hearing the gospel and believing or coined by paul as quote unquote hearing with faith and if it's true that both galatians 2 verses 1 through 10 and galatians 2 11 through 14 happened prior to the jerusalem council in acts 15 then we can be sure that one Paul had already laid out in private the good news which he had preached among the Gentiles before some of the influential Jerusalem church leaders, including Peter, James, and John. Two, they had extended to him the right hand of fellowship. And three, Peter's act of hypocrisy in separating from the Gentiles in Galatians chapter 2, verse 1, had already been rebuked by Paul. All of this to say God had prepared Peter through many circumstances and experiences by the Holy Spirit to say what he's about to say before the Jerusalem council. Let's hear him out. Brothers, you know that a good while ago, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the nations should hear the word of the good news and believe. God who knows the heart testified about them, giving them the Holy Spirit just like he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you tempt God, that you should put a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they are. Peter addresses the first and most important matter at hand, must the Gentiles be circumcised and put under the law of Moses in order to be saved? His clear answer, no. Peter's line of reasoning was this. 1. God gave the Spirit to the Gentiles when they heard the good news and believed, in the same way he had previously to the Jewish believers at Pentecost. 2. He cleansed the Gentiles' hearts through faith, as he had for the Jews, not through circumcision and the law. Three, at no point in Israel's history did they ever keep the law in a way that pleased God. Like Peter saying, we Jews have never been able to bear the yoke of the law. What in your right mind makes you think that the Gentiles could in any way be justified through it? His conclusion? The Jews are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as the Gentiles are. Paul, in agreement with Peter's proclamation, puts it this way in Romans chapter 3, 23 to 25. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. God put forward Jesus as a propitiation by His blood. This means Jesus satisfied the demands of God's law that stood against us by paying the penalty in full for our sins on the cross of Calvary nearly 2,000 years ago when He died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, was buried, and was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Jesus did all the work necessary for us to be saved through his perfect life lived, blemish-free, sacrificial death for our sins, and resurrection for our justification. Romans 3.25 says, we receive what Jesus did for us by faith. Jesus, as the propitiation or satisfaction for our sins put forth by God, is, quote-unquote, to be received by faith. I can really identify with Peter's statement, having cleansed their hearts through faith. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 verse 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hebrews 9 verse 14 talks about our consciences being purged through the blood of Christ, and Hebrews 10 verse 22 refers to our hearts being sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Zechariah 13 verse 1 prophesies about a day coming when there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. God refers to himself in Jeremiah 2:11 as the fountain of living waters. And Jesus promises in John chapter 7 verses 37 through 39, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is a cleansing fountain who pours his love into the hearts of those who believe through the Holy Spirit whom he gives to us. I can really identify with Peter's statement having cleansed their hearts through faith because of my personal experience encountering Jesus and His cleansing love by His Spirit when I first believed and received Him. Jesus poured His love into my heart through the Holy Spirit whom He had given to me, assuring me that I was forgiven by Him and saved from the wrath to come when I called upon His name and faith. I experienced His presence and love, which flowed into me like a fountain of purging, purifying my guilty conscience and filling me with peace and joy. I became born again in spirit, having experienced the cleansing power of Jesus firsthand. As believers, we have never-ending access to this inexhaustible supply of living water. Many times over, He has comforted when my soul was weary, pacified when my heart was anxious, and restored when I strayed from green pastures, leading me beside the still waters of life, grace, and rest. Have you ever encountered the life-changing love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ? If you haven't, know that He stands at the door of your heart and knocks, wanting to come in and fellowship with you wanting to make his home in you by his Spirit, to be in relationship with you, to bring you life, forgiveness, peace, and joy. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. That's from Revelation 3 verse 20.
1: are the same We all deserve God's wrath And death caused by sin, but Jesus came and died for us, our stripes on His back He paid the price of our sin so that we don't have to now we just take the gift Not grace if you were it would cease to be grace. It's not a free gift if you have to earn it. Salvation is a free gift. cease to be great but it's not grace if you were it would cease to be grace it's not a free gift if you have to earn it salvation is a free gift
0: That was free gift from the Adams Road album Immeasurable
2: You tell the lightning where to go. You form the earth laid its cornerstone and you walk the depths of the oceans and seas, and is high. As a Heaven
1: and snow. All my sins were as crimson now like wool. How immeasurable is your love. How unsearchable are your riches that you offer to us. Your only Son with the
0: That was Immeasurable from the Adams Road album, Immeasurable. Thank you. This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach to the Christian music ministry, Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we examine Acts 15, verses 8 through 17. Grace and peace be with you all.